Lord, we are so thankful for your amazing grace. And God, as we just stand in your presence this morning, we want to thank you for being so faithful to us that you never give up on us, that, that your grace and your mercy as we've sung these songs today are, they're there every single morning. There, there's an unending supply of your mercy and your grace. And I pray for anyone that's here today that's just lacking hope, that maybe feels distant from you. Lord, I pray that you would draw them in today, that God, you would reveal yourself in, in such a deep and, and mighty way to every heart here today. As we dig into your word today, God, I pray that you would reveal to us your steadfastness and how faithful you've been to us. Thank you for the testimonies of these that are here today that have been serving you for many years, that can see firsthand your faithfulness, how you've brought them through so many trials and snares and how you've been faithful to them through all these years. I thank you for our seniors, God. I thank you for what they mean to our church, God. And God, have you used them mightily and the establishment of our church and the success of our church and what Christ is doing in our church. So I thank you for them. I just pray a blessing over them today, God. So now, Lord, as we just jump in your word, I pray that our ears would be attentive to what you would want us to hear today, God. So we thank you, we love you, and we just give all the glory to Jesus. It's all about Jesus and what he's done for us. So we love you, we thank you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. Let's thank God for his grace today and his glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good job, Katie and Andy, today doing that today. Aren't they great? They're just a great. I'm so blessed to have them. Um, I have to admit, um, I, I, the, when I've heard that the Olympics are coming up, the, the, the Winter Olympics are coming up, I, I just, I am totally, I don't know if, if you are or not, but I am a total Olympic junkie. I just, I just love the Olympics. I, uh, I, I remember just vividly, and I was in junior high school, and many of you remember this, when the, in 1980, when the men's hockey team uh, beat the Soviet Union in the semifinals. How many remember that? I got a picture of that. Remember that? That was how many of you remember? How many of you were around your little black and white TVs and you were watching that? And you, re I remember that so vividly. It was such a huge thing with just these college guys and and how they wanted. So I am definitely um, an Olympic junkie. I I don't know about you, but but I I I just love watching the sports and um, the three top um, summer. Olympic sports to watch are these. Are you ready? Here are the top three. The third one is swimming. That's one that everybody watches. Swimming is the third most watched Olympic sport. The, the second is track and field. That's the second most watched Olympic sports, track and field. And do you know what the first one is? Anybody have a guess? The first one is badminton. You thought, no, I'm just teasing. I just wanted to see you guys. No, the first is some, somebody said is, is uh, gymnastics is the, fir, is the most watched summer uh, Olympic sport. Now, what, you know, uh, within swimming and track, I think the reason why we love watching those are the sprint events. Now, I was a swimmer, so I like to actually watch the swimming events. But when it comes to the long swimming events, like the 1,500 meters where, where the men have to swim 30 laps, or watching a long track event, um, just shoot me now. I just, I love the sprints. I love, you know, how many of you just love watching Michael Phelps or um, Usain Bolt? I mean, those were like, you wanted to watch them. And, and it was, it, but, but to watch a marathon, it, just shoot me now, right? I mean, those are just, we tune out. We're just like, we like, for me personally, I love the sprint events. And, and I got to think about that. Why, why is that? Why do we like the sprints and not the marathons? Well, I think it's this. I believe that there's something in our nature that wants things fast and easy. Can, can, just, can I get an amen there? Okay, so we, we don't like to wait too long. I, any of you like me, you're just not very patient. It was so hilarious. This Thanksgiving, we were cooking our turkey. And every year, there's some thing that goes wrong. Did we cook it long enough? You're all panicky. And, you know, we've got the probe that goes right into the the turkey, you know, the little stick that goes right in the turkey. And I asked the kids, hey, anybody want their temperature taken? 
Uh, but anyways, so we, <laughs> so we've got this process. You know what it is, and it, it registers on our oven. You know, it has to be 180 to 185 degrees. I'll tell you what, those last 10 degrees was painful. We're all washed because we're all hungry, and we're all huddled around the stove waiting for it to go to 170 to 180. I think that literally took five hours. I think they were playing with us. And it's just, we don't like to wait. We just, we live in this fast-paced society. But I want you to understand something here. That the Bible, when it speaks about our lives, does not speak about our lives as a sprint, but actually a marathon. When the Bible speaks about our lives, they want, they want us to speak about our lives as this long, methodical run. Not something fast and, and quick. Now, I, I like to run. And when I moved back to, from South Carolina to here to, to Rochester 18 years ago, I picked up running. Now, my running really is just a fast walk. I'm really slow, but I like to run. And I run between five and six times a week. I try to be real faithful uh, to running. And, and I, I calculated in my mind over 18 years how far I've run over the 18 years. And I calculated it that it's actually over 14,000 miles that I've run. Now, for you runners, you're like, 18 years? I did that in four years. That's pretty. So it's not, if you're a runner, it's not a huge amount. But for me, I was thinking about, wow, that added up. I mean, that over the years, those amount of miles begin to add up. John Maxwell says it well. He says, everything worthwhile in life is uphill. Everything worthwhile in life is uphill. I think he's got a lot of wisdom there. And there's a passage in the Bible that speaks to us about not giving up, about running the race. And that's why I wanted to honor our seniors today. And I wanted, I wanted to get some insight for them running the race, of, of running the race of Christ and what it means to them. And what does, what does God's faithfulness mean to them? And so what I want to do is I want to look at a scripture that talks about not giving up, about running this race in life. Because I know all of us, we're going to face trials. We're going to, we're going to face things in our life that, that are unexplainable. And we're going to want to give up. And I know there's times in all of our lives where there are times that we just wanted to throw in the towel. There are times in our life where we just said, you know, I just don't care. I just want to give up. I, I'm sick of battling with the same thing, the same problem, the same issue. And we all get to a point in our lives that we just want to give up. Can I get an amen? Are we all, we're there together, right? We just like, man, I, it's the same thing. I thought I was over this thing. And then this thing came up again. What's going on, God? And the Bible speaks to that. And there was a group of people that the Bible speaks about that were Christians that wanted to give up. They were getting tired. They, they, were, they were being persecuted and they're at the verge of just saying, you know what? We just want to throw in the towel. But I think there's some great wisdom here through the authority of God's word that speaks to our hearts about being faithful. That our, our, our life in Christ is not this sprint, but it's this methodical running and being consistent and being faithful to God to the end. And so I want to, I want to, I want to read these words to you. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And the Hebrew writer says this. And I love this because what he's doing, he's encouraging those believers who feel like giving up. And this is, this is what the Hebrew writer says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge or large crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, let all of us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with what? Endurance. I love that word. Endurance. The race that God has set for us. Now notice what the Hebrew is saying. He's not saying the sprint. This is an endurance. This is a long run. And we do this by what? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. I love this version where it says the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, what did he do? He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So 
what is, what is the writer here trying to, trying to get across to us? Well, he's giving us a picture of what it means to be faithful. What does it mean to be faithful in the Lord? Listen, God is not looking for one-hit wonders. What God is looking for are people who endure through life's trials. What God is looking for, he's not looking for, for these superstar Christians. What he's looking for are those that are faithful day in and day out to serve him through the good times and the bad times. He's looking for us to be faithful. My good and faithful servant. He's not looking to see who finishes the race first. He wants you to finish the race with faithfulness. Are you faithful to God's calling that he first placed in you the day you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? So what is faithfulness? I think there's a couple things that we can pull out of this verse that is faithfulness. And one word that we pull out is faithfulness is endurance. So let's understand what's going on here in this verse. The Hebrew Christians are not wanting to endure. The church started to drift. It was losing its purpose and its calling. And they were at risk of giving up. The church started to drift and it was losing its purpose and its calling. And they were at this risk of giving up. And this is kind of a wake up call for them. The letter underscores what they would be losing if they were to give up their faith. And so if you read through the whole letter, the epistle of Hebrews, if you read through the whole letter, what you're going to see is, is the Hebrew just lays out how Jesus is the greater and better, how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything. You have to fix your eyes on Christ. Don't give up. He's going to be with you. He's gone before you. He's not going to let you go. So fix your eyes on Christ. And so through this whole letter, he, the, the Hebrew does a great, the Hebrew does a wonderful job of showing how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything. He's, he's a true and better Moses. And, and he, he's, he's the true and better Melchizedek. And he's, he, he, he's, he's fulfillment of the law. He's a, he's a perfect high priest who, who, can, who stands in the gap for us. That, that we can come to him and we can find help and mercy and grace in our time of need. So this whole letter really is a letter of encouragement to those who want to give up. So let me just stress this. If you're, if you're in that place today and you feel like, man, pastor, my, my faith is definitely wandering. Or if you feel like giving up, I want to encourage you, read the book of Hebrews. It will encourage you in your faith. So these Christians are no different from us today in the things that we go through. And so what he does is the author describes their spiritual condition and he describes it in this way in Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. It says, he says this, he says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. And so what he's encouraging them here, he's saying, listen, I know you're tired. Uh, I know your knees are weak. Um, but he, listen to what the, the author says here. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Listen to what he's saying here. Listen to what the writer's saying here is, You've got to lead the way for those who are behind you. Listen, my faith is not just about Barden Jerase's faith and how I make it. I've got to be thinking about those who are running with me. I've got to think about the generation that's behind me. You don't think I'm not concerned about the generation that's behind us? I'm concerned about my kids, that I'm giving them something to hold on to, that, that their faith is not my faith, that their faith is their faith. And that the, the, the baton that we hand off to them, they will also run that race. We need to be concerned about the generation behind us also. Can I get an amen? So this is where it's so important that all, those of us who are older that have been running the race for a while are concerned about those that are running the race behind us, that we're bringing them along saying, listen, listen, listen. 
Yeah, life stinks at times. It's not easy. But God is good. And God is faithful. And you can make it. You can make it. We have to be that example that shows that God is a faithful God. We need to be the ones that, that share our testimonies. Like, hey, this is what happened in my life when I was 30. We didn't think this was going to work out. But you know what? God was faithful. We need to share those testimonies with those that are going behind us to show us that God is with us. I want to hear those. I want those expressed. I love when people share their testimonies and what God did and how faithful he's been in their lives. Listen, we can all gripe and complain about our pains and aches. Can't we? We all got them. We all got them. We do. <laughs> I, feel, I woke up this morning. I'm like, we cut down our Christmas tree on Friday. You, you thought I, I went through the mill. I was like, my arm is sore. My knees hurt. <sighs> Love the 50s. But anyways, enough about me. Right? We can all complain about those things. But how many of us know we should be rejoicing and how faithful God has been in our lives? See, the, the reason why I believe in Scripture is so clear on this, that the children of Israel walked away from the Lord, is that the book of Judges tell us this, that after they, they came into the promised land and they saw all of God's faithfulness, you see Joshua and Caleb, and you see these that are just excited about possessing the promised land. What happened with the generation that grew up after them is they stopped expressing and talking about God's faithfulness and how God led them through the Red Sea and through the Jordan River. And they stopped expressing it. And the book of Hebrews says their children didn't know about these stories. They stopped talking about God's faithfulness. And so what they did is they drifted. They drifted away. And so you've got a group of people who, that what the Hebrew writer is exactly saying is, is they're running aimlessly without any purpose. They're running aimlessly. They don't know what their goal is. They don't know what their calling is. They're just running aimlessly, chasing the wind, chasing after this, chasing after that. And meanwhile, there was no spirituality. And so what God did through the book of Judges, we see he rose up judges to, to deliver them from the enemies around them that, that captured them. But their spiritual life was so weak. See, the whole point of this letter was to endure. Endure with a purpose. Don't run aimlessly. Run with a goal in mind. Paul says that a runner will run to get this wreath that they'll place on their head. But don't run just to get a wreath. You've got something to run for because it's eternal life. You've got something that has eternal significance. There's a story that I read of a man named Leonard Gagowski. And uh, this, this gentleman was really interesting when I read about him, Gagowski. Leonard Gagowski. How many of you have ever heard of Leonard Gagowski? Anybody heard of Leonard Gagowski? Well, Leonard Gagowski was World War II. He uh, was a cook in World War II. And when he got out of the war, he was a meat cutter for a while. And then he opened a corner store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And for years he had this store. And uh, one thing that was on Leonard's heart was his alma mater, his high school, which was a private school, St. Thomas More's High School. And what he would do is periodically throughout the years, he would give donations for scholarships for students who may not could afford to go and get a private education. So he would give scholarships and, and, and they would honor him throughout the years. And he never married. And so he was just faithful at just running his, his little corner store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Well, Leonard died uh, in, in his nineties uh, from his battle with cancer. And what Leonard left the school, he wanted, to, he left them to the school. And what the school was flabbergasted by is the amount that Leonard left them. Because he was a very quiet man, uh, very frugal, didn't live a very lavish lifestyle. He left $13 million to his high school. And he left that money so that there would be something throughout the future that students who couldn't afford to go to the school to help pay for their tuitions to go to his alma mater. 
Now, you would have never guessed it with this guy because of the way he did. But the thing I liked about Leonard's story is that I think it fits well with this endurance. He, he, there was a purpose. There was a goal in mind for what he wanted to do and what he wanted his money to be used for. You see, the word endurance there means patience, hope, and consistency. The, it, listen, if you want your life to be marked by something, let it be marked by that. It's, it's this consistency in my life. It's this consistency, hopes, and it's this patience knowing that God is faithful. Those are the marks of a faithful follower of Christ. See, the picture here that the Hebrew writer wants us to understand was not giving up under pressure. You just keep running. You're not going to give up. He says, listen, just be faithful to continue to run the race before you. So what keeps us from being faithful? Because this is what the Hebrew writer says. There's something that keeps us from being faithful to the Lord. And he expresses a couple things here. And so what does the author say? Well, the author says a couple things about us not being faithful. What, what hinders us from being faithful? And so the things that keep us unfaithful is weight. He says weight and sin. Weight and sin. Now I want you to know something. Sometimes we'll read this verse and we'll put those two together. But actually those are two separate words. Two separate words. He's not talking about the weight of sin. He says weight and sin. Not everything that hinders us is necessarily sin. Understand this, because this is what the writer is trying to express to us. Not everything that hinders us is necessarily sin. Sometimes I think we ask the wrong question because we tend to go right to sin. We'll, we'll, we'll say things like, how close can I come without sinning? Or where is the line of sin? Is this thing necessarily sin. And we, we, we usually ask the wrong question because we normally just go right to sin. Well, as long as this isn't sin, then I guess I'm okay. Pastor, is this sin? And I'd say, well, I don't think necessarily. Okay, good. That's all I want to know. See, we tend to ask the wrong questions. How close can I come to sinning with, with, without crossing the line? Instead, we should be asking this question. Let, let's reverse let's reverse it and say this because I think this is what the Hebrew writers is trying to express. Let's ask this question. Does this thing slow me down from running the race? Now, that could be anything, not necessarily sin. But is this thing, has this thing captured my heart to the point to where it's slowing me down from running the race with Jesus? Is, is it holding me back? Has this thing, because listen, Idol worship is not some statue that you bow down to necessarily. See, idol worship is simply, it's, it can be taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing. That's all it is. It, you, you're, you, can, you can even take a good thing in your life and you make it an ultimate thing in your life and it will drag you down. It will keep you from running the race that Christ has set out for us. So instead of asking the question, how close am I to sin without going to the line? Ask the question, does it slow me from running the race? It may not be sin, but is it slowing me down? Is it slowing me down or, or is it drawing me actually closer to Christ? And here's the thing. I think what, what, what keeps us from running the race consistently and, and, and what keeps us from getting discouraged to the point to where we want to give up is what the Hebrew writer does. He's, he, he changes our view from looking at our problems and our trials to something that's beyond that. And what he says about Jesus is for joy, Jesus set the cross before him. He endured the pain and the suffering of the cross for what reason? He knew what was on the other side, didn't he? He knew what it meant for you and I. Jesus endured the cross and the pain and the shame and the hum humiliation that came with the cross just because, okay, I'm just going to die and that's it. The reason why Jesus did it with joy, he knew it meant redemption for you and I. See, if I can endure trials in my life knowing that there's a purpose behind it, 
knowing that God is doing something deeper in my heart, knowing that God is not going to leave me or forsake forsake me, knowing that I'm going to be with Christ one day, doesn't it give you a different point of view? See, here's what the Hebrew writer is trying to do for the Hebrew listeners. He's saying this, a right perspective will change the way you look at your life. It's all about perspective. If I'm lost in my trial, I'm going to give up. If, 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 my, if, if, if the baggage in my life dictates who I am, if my past identifies who I am, then I'm going to get lost in that thing and I'm going to lose perspective real quickly. Because your past doesn't identify who you are. It's who you are in Christ. It's a new identity, a new creation. So the way you look at your life will set the course for your life. Bang. A right perspective will change the way you look at your life. And the way you look at your life will set the course for your life. This is so important. Have you ever gotten an argument with your, with your spouse? Okay, good. <laughs> so, and, and then you ask them what's wrong. And, and many times they'll just tell you, well, you don't understand what I'm saying. How many of you, amen to that? Okay. You don't understand my perspective. Would you just listen to what uh, I'm saying? You don't see things from their perspective. And isn't it amazing how, how we can change when we actually listen and hear from someone else's perspective? Isn't it amazing when we actually see from someone else's perspective. See, most of the time, we don't listen long enough to hear and understand what the other person means, and we tend to jump to conclusions. We tend to judge without understanding this person's background or maybe what they've gone through. And we've all done it, you know? Someone comes in mad, or you meet someone that's real angry, and man, you're like, man, that person, woo, they got issues. And then all of a sudden, you find out that there's a loss in their life. Or there's something that's going on and they're struggling with something. You're like, oh, 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 okay. I get it. This person's going through a lot. Man, why did I judge that person so quickly? You know, you ever beat yourself up over that? Like, man, I jumped to way too many conclusions there. And see, that's what happens when we don't listen. See, what the author does is, he, is he's helping the reader to get the right perspective. And this, I believe this changes everything. This changes everything. And so what he does is he gives us two things to change our perspective. Two things that will change our perspective. There are two things we need to look to that will encourage us to be faithful and not to stop running the race. And so what the author is saying is change your perspective from your situation and your trial and look to these two things that will encourage you. And so for us here today, this is what we're looking to. This is what, this is what should encourage us when we feel like giving up. Cause all of us get to that point where we feel like giving up and we lose faith sometimes. And our trials seem so overwhelming at times, but he says, look to these two things. So what he says is as he starts off in chapter 12, as we read, he says, he uses the word, therefore, Therefore, since we have this, and it's interesting because therefore it should give us a clue because what he wants us to do is to look back to chapter 11. He says, therefore, so he just gets done stating something. And what is chapter 11? Well, chapter 11 is a list of all these Old Testament names of people who endured whatever they were going through and remained faithful to God. Now, they weren't perfect people. By any means. But these are a list. It's kind of the hall of fame of faith. Of people who by faith. Didn't know the promise. But they continually walked by faith. Even though they couldn't see it. They trusted God by what? By faith. And there's a whole. You're going to read it for yourself. The whole list of people who by faith. By faith. By faith. By faith. And let me just, let me just read you. Just the, this is so good because I, I just want to read you just the first couple verses in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Because this is so good. Because he goes, therefore, listen to what these people say. He says, listen, by faith, by faith, he said, these people endured all these things. So this is what the Hebrew writer says. 
Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not what see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was what was seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered up a better sacrifice. And then he goes through this whole list of people by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And so when he says, therefore, he's telling the Hebrew listeners, look back to these people who by faith stayed faithful to God. So what do we look to? Well, let's look at these two things. He says, first of all, look to the cloud of witnesses. Look to the cloud of of witnesses. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, he wants us to look back at the Old Testament, the hearers of the faith. By no means were they perfect, but they trusted God by faith and they endured much, but remained faithful to God. Who are these witnesses? A lot of discussion about this, but I love Pastor John Piper's description of these witnesses. I love, get up, get Everybody just close your mind. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Don't close your minds. Some of you do that too easily. But close your, close your eyes for a moment. I want to get, give you a, a picture here. So close your eyes. Close your eyes and hold on to your pocketbooks. No, I'm just teasing. So here's what John Piper says. He says, so I take the witnesses of Hebrews 12.1 to be the saints who have run the race before us and have gathered, as it were, along a marathon route to say through the testimony of their lives by faith, I finished and you can too. All right. Open your eyes, get the picture, get a picture of this marathon. And you've got these people who have already finished and they've already crossed the finish line. And by their testimony, we're looking at their testimony We're looking how they remain faithful. And by their testament, what they're saying to us is, listen, yeah, life is hard, but it's so worth it. Don't give up. And actually, they're cheering us on through their witness and through their testimony that we can look at their testimony and say, they made it and we can make it too. They were faithful to God and we can be faithful to God too. See, be encouraged that others have gone through so much, but finished look to them and don't give up. This is what I love when we can look at those who have been serving the Lord for many years. This is how we encourage each other by saying, listen, I'm going to walk alongside you here and I'm going to help you to get through this race. Yeah. Life is difficult. You know, sometimes we just don't know what to share with people. But I think sometimes for us, just being present with people means the world. That Listen, I know what you're going through. I know this is hard, but don't give up. I'm going to be praying for you. I think just an encouraging word, being present encourages people not to give up. All these things matter in the lives of each other and in the life of the church. So look to these witnesses. The second thing he says, the Hebrew writer says is this. Look to Jesus who gives us the faith not to give up. So we can look to the cloud of witnesses, but he says, look to Jesus who gives us the faith not to give up. Now, let me, let me let you in on a little secret. Are you ready? Here's a little secret. When you look to Jesus, the trials that you face will not surprise you. When you look to Jesus, the trials that you face will not surprise you. Here's the reason why you're like, really? Cause how many of you in, in our lives were like, man, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Right. And we, and, and sometimes we're like surprised, but, but not if you're a follower of Jesus, because here's what Jesus says. Jesus says in John 16, 33, he says, I told you all, all of this, So that you may have what? Peace in me. Here on earth, distinguishing from heaven, here on earth you will have what? Many trials and sorrows. Tribulations. Amen, Ruth. She knows. We all know, right? But what does he say? Here's the encouraging word. But take heart because I have overcome the world. 
So here's the thing. Trials should not surprise us. Jesus said that. So, so don't stop beating yourselves up when you go through a trial. Because many times people was just, is God mad at me? I mean, there are knuckle-brain things that we do, right? We do stupid things. And, and, and many times we pay the consequence of, of the wrong decisions and the sin that's in our lives. But there are many things that happen in our life that we just can't understand or, or we just don't know. And those are things that we just leave in the Lord's hands. And so we may not understand, but Jesus says, listen, you're going to go through trials. There are things going to happen in your life. But just understand this. I want to give you peace, but understand that I've overcome the world. That's your hope, that eventually you will overcome this world, that this world and the life we live here is just a vapor. Here, one moment, gone the next. But take heart. I've overcome the world. That's where your hope should be. Fix your eyes on me. So when a trial does come, we can say, Jesus, I know you, you, you said this was going to happen. But I'm going to put my hope in you because I know you're going to see me through. If I were to ask our seniors the most important thing, the most important thing that they would tell us, I know that every single one would tell us, don't give up. Don't give up. See, so how does Jesus help us? Well, Jesus helps us by giving us a new perspective, a new perspective. Um, when, when we sent out the invite cards, we sent out invite cards to everyone that, is, that we knew of as, as, as best as possible, those that were 70 and older in, in, our, um, in our church. And um, we're going to have a little banquet for them after the 11 o'clock service. We're going to serve them turkey. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. We got some, <laughs> we're thinking about what to start going, don't serve any kind of chicken or turkey. I'm just like, I'm turkeyed out. Um, so uh, I, I asked, I said, could, 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 could some of you, if, if you, if you want to, um, would you just write down what God's faithfulness means to you? And let me just tell you, I was so encouraged by their letters and what they wrote. Now, I don't have time to read all of them because I said, just write a couple lines and people, some wrote books. So there was just like, I was encouraged. But for the sake of time, I just, I wanted to read a couple to you because there's this underlying theme that all of them wrote the same thing. And I wanted to hear from them. You've been serving the Lord for a while. What is God's faithfulness? Because I want you to encourage the, our congregation today of what God's faithfulness means to you. And here, here's what some people said. Um, one person wrote, God is the super glue in my life. Nothing could ever separate us. When I bonded with Jesus at the age of nine, he has been my hope and my savior. His love for me is like no other. Pat Vanderweel. I love that she put, I love that she put, um, when we bonded at the age of nine. I love that. Some others wrote, we want to be faithful by thanking and praising him in all circumstances and sharing the love of Jesus with others, no matter where they are, whether they're in a doctor's office or at a hospital. That was from Luke and Sue Loomis. And they, Sue went through a lot about a year ago through her health. And um, their letter here was so encouraging me about God's faithfulness to them through, through a very difficult time in their life. Another senior wrote this, through the ups and downs, i.e. health issues, relationships, etc., when you just can't see your way clear, my faithfulness in God has been steadfast. My faith in him empowers me to give me confidence, hope, and a strong assurance that I can trust him because he cannot fail. And I praise him for that as he continually pours out his blessings on me. That was from Marilyn Schreiber. Another senior wrote this. I, I, this was really insightful. I appreciated what Terry Gerard wrote here. She says, over the years, regardless of my circumstances, even when I couldn't see the reason for the things happening and my logic failed me and my feelings got in the way, I have learned to just believe and stand on the word of God. Judy Bergdorf wrote this. She, Judy Bergdorf, she gave me like a exegesis on everything faithful about God from Scripture. This was good. Actually, I'm going to use this for a future sermon, Judy, um, because it was so good. 
But one of the things I loved, Judy's an artist, and, and she, <laughs> she did some drawings, too. I love her little anchor that she, she drew. She's so gifted. But she wrote this. She goes, we have this anchor for our soul. He is my light, my strength, my song, and my hope. I love that the Lord is our song. Is there a time in your life when you just get down and there's a song that comes in your heart and you just start singing it? And that Lord will give you that new song and that song in your heart. Even, even when you're going through a difficult, song, a difficult time, there's a song that the Lord can place in your heart knowing that he's there. I love that. There's so many others here. I'm going to read a couple more here. Oh, I should have been more organized here. I'm sorry. Oh, here it is. Here's one more. Just a couple more here. He will see me through on his terms, not mine. He promises to see me through until the end. And I believe in him. That was from my mom. I appreciate, I, there, was, so, there was more, and I just appreciate all of you. I just picked out a couple here. But the theme that I saw through so many was the same thing. That no matter what you go through, no matter what trials you go through, how many of you know the longer you live your life, the more trials you see? <laughs> and the one thing that I've learned is that when the Lord takes you through that trial, the next one that comes, when you can look back to that past round and say, God, I know you're faithful there. I know you're going to be faithful here. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to forsake me. And I think that's where our hope is, knowing that the God of the past is faithful to be the God in the present and the future. So I appreciate all you writing those. I want to finish with this, with this passage in Hebrews 10, 23 and 25. It says this. The Hebrew writer says, Let us then hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I love those words. The Hebrew writer is saying this. Let's not neglect each other. Let's keep encouraging each other. Let's keep praying for each other. Let's not neglect meeting together as the body of Christ because this is where we encourage each other to keep running the race. I just wanted to finish with this. Um, Ruth Brooks is the eldest member of our church. And um, I'm going to read what Ruth Brooks shared. And I'm going to have Ruth come in just a minute. And I want her, she, I wanted her, I talked to her last week. And I said, Ruth, would you just share just one story of God's faithfulness to living word? Because Ruth has been in our church for a long time. And she's seen God's faithfulness throughout the years to our, throughout, to our church. I wanted her to read that. But Ruth, Ruth wrote this. My faithfulness to God means that I'm totally confident in the fact that he is my Lord, Savior, and Redeemer. And when I get up each day, he is with me to carry me through whatever, uh, whatever changes may come my way. And that when my time here on earth is over, I will be with him forever in eternity. I sincerely believe this, and, and I will, to the best of my ability, stay faithful to him, loving and serving him until he calls me home. Ruth, I need you to be faithful to God. You know, the one joy I have at pastoring a church for 18 years is our seniors have been so encouraging to me and my family. And we have a group of faithful saints that pray every Tuesday night, but I just know that they pray for me, and I'm so thankful for the rock of those people in our church that truly care about this church. 
There's a basket up here with hundreds of prayer requests that have come through our church, hundreds if not thousands. And they pray for them, each and every one of them, individually. They care about you. When you fill out a prayer request card in your seat, that thing gets prayed over. It just doesn't get tossed into that basket. It gets prayed over because they care about you and they care about this church. Amen. Ruth, come up here real quick as we just close the service. Ruth, just, just share God's faithfulness to, to, to the church. Oh, she wrote something. Good. She came prepared. Do you want me to hold this for you? You got it. I'll be quick. <laughs> Faith, I looked it up in the dictionary. Faith is described as a personal surrender to Jesus. A personal surrender to Jesus. And in John 1.12, it says, But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to be the children of God. So if you've surrendered to Jesus, you're his child. And I feel I am. All his children, as his children, my husband and I started a prayer group at St. Mary's Church. And it grew to the point that we were learning more and more of God's holy word. And realizing we needed a Bible-believing church in Ontario. We needed... uh, We had some members of my husband's family that started to pray and for uh, getting direction from the God to bring the vision to fulfillment. We believe that this was God's will, and today you see the results of this will of God. Um, As a housewife, and well, wait a minute, one one of the little things I want to share, and it's one of the things that... God just did with this church so that we knew that every step we took was from him. We came down here, our group of Living Word members, it was a small group on Easter Sunday morning. It was pouring rain, nasty, heavy cloud cover, and we came out here about where the parking lot is, standing in mud, we all had boots on, and we started praying and singing. And as we did this, we looked up, and this is no lie. There was a rainbow that went directly straight up to heaven. And I witnessed this. There were other people who did. I think Harvey is still alive, and he saw this. And it it, it was just a miracle. A rainbow goes like this. This rainbow went straight up to heaven. And we knew that God had heard and answered our prayer. Then as a housewife and a mother raising five children, uh, this I had many challenges. And uh, I had four of them were boys, and of course what one boy didn't think of, the other three did. <laughs> and then I had a 14-year-old daughter that was going on 21, and boy, that could put you in your grave. But anyway, Psalm 124 says that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Where would I be? And Okay, I got to find where I left off. <laughs> so I just thank the Lord for the fact that he made me really get on my knees and pray every day. I had to pray or I wouldn't have made it. And one thing I was glad that I kept in my life, and that was the fact that I kept the holy day. I kept Sunday. That was God first in my life, and it has given me good results. I've had to, uh, it's been difficult these later years. My husband's been gone 24 years, so I had 24 years living on my land over on Lanson Road, But then I had to sell my house, and the Lord helped me with that. I had open house on Saturday, and by Monday it was gone. I uh, had to manage my finances, and I've had health issues, especially with my eyes. And uh, the Lord has taken care of me every inch of the way. So I thank God for all this. Some days I felt I was on sinking sand. 
but my faith and trust in the Lord has made me strong. And I pray that I will not be moved. I'm also, um, I have to read my writing. (laughs) I am blessed. And as pastor said, by such friends in this church. We're all a bunch of oldie goldies, you know. And the Lord has taken care of us, and we hold each other up. And I thank God. And I encourage people. For Since 1976, I've attended prayer meeting every week. Of course, I may have missed a few now and then. But uh, Tuesday night, I'm here. And this, I'm telling you, has brought me through when you really think you're going down. They're there to help you and bring you back up. And I'm telling you, they're a strong group of people that we have in this church. And I thank God for that. And also, I just want to close with this. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me my great salvation, so rich and free. Amen. 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 I just want I just want Ruth just to just to pray for us, and then uh, Katie's just going to close in song. You guys can remain seated, but I I just love this song, and uh, it's just talking about it is well with my soul. And so Ruth, just pray for us, and then Katie's going to close in that song, and then and then we'll dismiss you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanksgiving for this day, for this blessing that you bestow on us by just giving us a privilege to be able to attend church on Sunday morning. I thank you for this pastor and his word that the gospel goes forth from this pulpit, Lord God. I pray that you touch each and every person in this place, that every family will become strong in the Lord. They'll raise their children in the ways of the Lord and teach them their word. Oh, God, do a mighty work in this fellowship. Bring down that Holy Spirit. Move mightily through this place once again, Lord God. Oh, that we see the salvation of many people in this town and in this country. Lord, move by your Holy Spirit through this place. Touch many lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody said. Amen. Thanks. You just sit and listen to listen and just worship. God bless you.